Welcome, I'm Matthew from the Travel Podcast, and on this episode, we're going to be exploring the beautiful Atlantic Canada region, covering the great outdoors, food and drink, wildlife watching, self-driving RV options, urban adventures, and the best times to visit. And I'm very fortunate uh, on this episode to be joined by two special guests, Adam from Destination Canada and Kelly from Atlantic Canada Tourism. So thank you both for joining me. Thank you for having us. And to kick off, uh, so for those listeners that might not have heard of the of Atlantic Canada, where is it, and what provinces make up Atlantic Canada? Can I, so if I can go to you there, Kelly. Sure. So um, perhaps some of the listeners may have visited us before. Um, if not, we are located on the east coast of Canada, and we're made up of the scenic provinces of New Brunswick, Newfoundland and Labrador, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward. Island. So together we're known as Atlantic Canada and we offer Canada's prettiest coastline and every seaside activity you can imagine. Amazing. And that mean knowing Canada, I haven't been to uh, the Atlantic uh, Canada region yet, but it's definitely something that has piqued my interest from doing a lot of research and seeing how beautiful, as you said, the Canada's prettiest coastline. From what I can see, that is very true. Um, and it is such a massive area taking in all of those provinces. When people are looking to visit um, and explore the region, what are the seasons like and when do most visitors come to the, to the region? So most of our international visitors tend to visit anytime from mid-May until the end of October. Um, May and June are wonderful months for touring because the daytime temperatures are around 10 to 15 degrees with around 5 degrees cooler in the evenings and there's fewer um, crowds as well. So as with a lot of destinations, especially in Canada, July and August are the busiest months but they're actually the most beautiful months in terms of temperature. So the average daytime temperature in July and August is between 25 and 30 degrees Celsius. It's a bit more crowded, but that's all relative. Um, in Atlantic Canada, there's plenty of space to move around. It's not overcrowded any time of year. And then I would say the autumn months of September and October are a really fantastic time to visit Atlantic Canada, because once again, the daytime temperatures are really pleasant for traveling around. So 10 to 15 degrees degrees during the day, around five degrees cooler in the evening. Um, but you have the bonus of the autumn colors. So we always say here we have the same autumn colors that New England does, but with fewer crowds. So it's a wonderful time to visit. Um, and again, so anytime from May to October is really the best time for our region of Canada. Another, I know we were speaking because you're you're based down uh, in, in the region, Kelly, and you were saying, you know, as we record this, that it's about zero degrees which isn't too different to being in England or a lot of mainland Europe at this time of year so again it could be a lovely time to visit as long as you wrap up uh, wrap up warm and one question I would just like to ask is with um, some of the provinces being quite northerly what's the daytime hours like during the summer and then also in the winter oh okay in the summertime it um, the daylight hours go till around 9 30 p.m. And um, in the wintertime, this time of year, um, which is the shortest daytime hours, probably starts to get dark around half four. 
every day. Nice. So, yeah, quite quite relative to to us over here in in the UK. And and Adam is joining us from from the UK um, as well. And with it being the east coast of Canada, for the listeners in Europe, uh, this is obviously quite a short flight to be able to get out and explore some amazing regions uh, of Canada. How long does it take? And also, what other options do our listeners from around the world have to get to the Atlant- to Atlantic Canada, Adam? Yeah, well, I think this is the thing that people don't realize that you can get to Canada in five hours. So it's the closest part of North America to, to Europe. So St. John's in Newfoundland, Labrador, um, it's a five hour flight. I mean, on the way back with a jet stream, you probably do it in four and a half hours. So, you know, it's not that much further than actually going to somewhere like Turkey, um, down southern Turkey. So so five hours to St. John's, six hours to Halifax as well. So it's very reasonable flying times, good flying times as well. Um, you sort of, you know, with the, the time difference, you, you tend to leave late in the, in the morning and you get there in the afternoon. So, yeah, in terms of airlines, we've got WestJet offers um, direct services from Gatwick, Glasgow um, and Dublin to Halifax, uh, which is in, in Nova Scotia. And then um, Air Canada also offers a year-round service to Halifax and St. John's as well in Newfoundland and Labrador. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a lot closer than you think. I, I really would sell it as kind of mid-haul. Um, so people that don't really like long flights, you know, five hours, you can be somewhere totally different. Um, I think, you know, for me, the best way to travel around um, the region is renting a car. Um, it's very easy to drive there. The roads are safe. They're wide. There's not much traffic. So cars an option. Also RV as well, um, which we know as a camper van, um, a recreational vehicle. That That is another great option if you want to, um, um, you know, if, if you're comfortable sort of with a bit more that sort of camping style. But they're certainly very comfortable. I think also it's worth bearing in mind, you can get, we've got Via Rail, which is our fantastic railway service. And one thing I've done, which is really good, was um, there's a train called the Ocean Train, which goes from Montreal to Halifax. So you can leave Montreal or Quebec City um, in the evening, it's seven, eight o'clock, and you can sleep, have dinner, sleep on the train and then wake up and then you're in New Brunswick. Um, and then you can get off the train in New Brunswick in Moncton and explore New Brunswick. And then you can get back on the train, um, you know, stay a few nights definitely and then go to Halifax. So that, that is another option. I think it's also worth mentioning the cruising as well. I know cruising is ever so popular these days. So the cruises that go uh, from generally they leave from New York, Boston coming around, um, the coast and they'll they'll stop off at a lot of the, the the maritime um points so a lot of the things you'll talk about you'd be able to access by cruise and then the cruises tend to go on to montreal so that's something else to consider and like you said there's so many different ways to get around and um with the rail access and the rvs or the road tripping it, it with it being such a large area, it makes it a, a great option. And, and Kelly, with with that, obviously it, there is was it is it four Canadian provinces making up the Atlantic coast. So, like Adam mentioned, there it's an amazing opportunity for self drive or RV camper uh, camper vans to, to really get around and explore. Are there any restrictions when people are looking to do that? How how easy is it? I mean, Adam said the roads are very simple. Is it nice and easy to get campsites and whatnot if you're in an RV? Oh, it is. Um, It's really easy to drive around Atlantic Canada. The roads are not crowded. Um, We actually have three um, companies that RV companies that service the region. So we have Fraser Way. 
Cruise Canada and Canadream. Um, and then throughout the region, there are lots of national parks. We actually have eight national parks in Atlantic Canada and many more provincial parks. And then also um, other um, campgrounds, which are provincial or national parks. So there's plenty to see and do. I did want to mention just regarding touring routes, um, some of the most popular ones are to visit the what we call the maritime provinces, which are the three provinces made up of New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island. So that's a really um, popular touring route um, for our international guests. So oftentimes they will fly into Halifax, hire a vehicle or hire an RV and tour through Nova Scotia, Cape Breton Island, which is part of Nova Scotia, move along to New Brunswick and then, then on to Prince Edward Island. And you can do that trip in 10 to 14 days. That's what I would recommend. If you wanted to come to Atlantic Canada and visit all four provinces, which include Newfoundland and Labrador, you would need at least 14 days because the area is actually quite massive, especially Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, but it, it's totally doable. So two to three weeks to visit all four provinces. And one thing that I would recommend, you could fly into Halifax, Nova Scotia, um, visit the three maritime provinces, and then you could either fly to St. John's, Newfoundland, Labrador, or there are two options for car ferries from Cape Breton Island to Newfoundland. And then um, if the guests were returning back to the UK, you could fly back from St. John's. So that's a neat and tidy trip, um, trip as well. And then I just wanted to highlight some of the um, popular driving routes within the region. Um, so Cape Breton Island, it's um, consistently ranked as one of the world's most scenic drives and it's home to the famous Cabot Trail. Um, so Cape Breton Island, again, is part of Nova Scotia. Uh, the region is really rich with Celtic and Acadian culture, and it's especially beautiful in the autumn months with the um, autumn foliage. And uh, they also have a great festival every year called the Celtic Colors International Music Festival, which takes place in October. Um, so that's a great touring route. Also, the South Shore of Nova Scotia, which includes Peggy's Cove, Lunenburg, and Mahone Bay. And Peggy's Cove, you might recognize, has the famous um, Peggy's Cove Lighthouse, which is Canada's most famous lighthouse. And uh, that's located just 45 minutes from Halifax. So it's a beautiful scenic touring route. And then you can travel on to Lunenburg, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and Mahone Bay. So these are really great areas um, for touring the coast. Then Prince Edward Island, which is Canada's um, smallest province, has three mapped coastal drives on the island and it's a perfect way to explore the island off the beat, beaten track. So you can visit more than 45 harbors along the island and um, see the red sandstone cliffs for which the island is famous. You can visit colorful fishing villages, lighthouses, antique shops, seaside cafes, and take in the glorious scenery on Prince Edward Island. Then in New Brunswick, one of the most popular drives is the Fundy Coastal Drive, which is 391 kilometers long and passes through quaint coastal villages. And it um, passes through the um, 
the Fundy coastline, which is home to the highest tides in the world. So the Bay of Fundy is shared between New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, home to the highest tides in the world. And on the New Brunswick side of the bay at Hopewell Rocks, you can actually walk on the ocean floor and then kayak the same spot just six hours later up to 50 feet higher. So that's a really unique experience. Um, And then also in New Brunswick um, is the Acadian Coastal Drive, um, which is on the east coast of the province. And this area covers um, 750 kilometers and goes all along the coast and the region has um, features very scenic beautiful white sandy beaches and a lot of Acadian heritage along the way as well. Um, In Newfoundland and Labrador two of the most popular driving routes are the Avalon Peninsula which is uh, very stunning and it takes in the areas of St. John's, which is the capital city of Newfoundland and Labrador, Cape Spear Lighthouse, which is a national historic site, Cape St. Mary's Ecological Reserve, Fairyland Lighthouse, and the quaint and uniquely named towns of Dildo, Brigus, and Cupids. Um, and then western, the coast of western Newfoundland Labrador stretches 750 kilometers from Port Basque, which is where one of the ferries lands um, from Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia. And it goes along the southwest coast to the Viking site of Lonzo Meadows at the tip of the Great Northern Peninsula. And so this area of the province is incredibly rugged and scenic. Um, It has features ancient mountains, fjords, icebergs, whales, thousands of miles of coastline, two UNESCO World Heritage Sites, and the International Appalachian Trail. So that's a great option in uh, Newfoundland and Labrador as well. So those are some of the more popular driving routes. It's amazing how massive <laughs> uh, the, the, the region is and really listening to you explain some of those different routes and, and the driving, like the kilometers to get around. And one of the highlights, I think, of that would be to walk on the seafloor and then later kayak on, on top of where you're walking. That's just a, an amazing uh, opportunity and probably one that's very, very, rare it, you know mainly happens certain places in the world to be able to do something like that and again I, I, I didn't realize how much rich history there was going back to obviously like you mentioned with the viking sites um and the celtics and and see a lot of people that would have come over from europe centuries ago and and still have that um vibe and culture in in the area is amazing i love getting to know the local culture when i'm traveling so that sounds a a brilliant opportunity for those that are listening um and the great outdoors does seem to be one of the biggest draws to the region adam what are some of the highlights to do when visiting obviously um kelly has mentioned some of the great things like kayaking and some of the national parks what other things would should people do when when they're there yeah i think with canada generally um the great outdoors is is a massive selling point and 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 that goes with the shore with 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 the maritimes as well i think you know um for me you know with 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 getting to kind of you know driving around is is part of the experience um but yeah you you've got to stop and get out so um i think hiking you know doing walks whether you're super fit or or you just want to do some gentle strolls there's plenty of options so yeah i think yeah, Kelly mentioned the Fundy National Park in New Brunswick. The Skyline Trail is is particularly um, one one I've done, which is, which is amazing. Um, and also, you've got Grace Moor National Park, which is a UNESCO World Heritage. And again, the, the trails are signposts very well, so you can kind of pick your 
your, how much you want to do and, and do that sort of comfortably. Um, and also um, in PEI, Prince Edward Island, you've got the Confederation Trail. There's actually eight national parks in Atlantic Canada. So again, there's plenty to experience. And, you know, I, I always think like if you go to Canada, you've got to try and get out in a Canadian canoe. It's kind of iconic. Um, there's also sea kayaking as well. I think Kelly mentioned that Hopewell Rocks, you can do that um, all over the provinces. So, yeah, um, and also cycling, um, you know, there's opportunities to rent bikes. I always think that's a really good way to, to cover some miles um, without too much exertion. It's stargazing, one thing that Canada has is, is, is sort of got um, is, is obviously with, with the low density of the population, we've got these amazing dark skies and Atlantic Canada has four dark sky preserves. And again, there's opportunities there to go and learn more about the stars, the moon, the galaxies, um, with special sort of programming and events there. Um, yeah, I mean, Bay of Fundy is great because it, it just has this massive abundance of marine life. So we'll, we'll talk a bit about the whales later. But yeah, there's also one thing that you can really do, do that's really fun is tidal bore rafting. And there's basically a tidal bore there where, where you get waves up to four meters. So for those that like a little bit of adrenaline and, and a, a bit of a boost, you know, that's something to do. You go out on the Zodiac and have this amazing wild ride, but you also get to see these amazing cliffs and riverside forests as well. So yeah, tons of hiking trails. There's also a really good golfing as well. Um, I was lucky enough to play at Cabo Links, which is one of the best golf courses in Canada, which is up. Um, and, and if anyone golfs, then I would so recommend, you know, you know, going, you can rent clubs. It's very relaxed. There's good holiday golfing there. So that's definitely something to, to look out for. Um, yeah, we mentioned the, the Prince Edward Island Confederation Trail, which is, is, is definitely a good cycling route. But, you know, rent, rent a bike. It runs um, from one side of the island to the other. It's 435K. So you've got plenty of trails there um, to get out there. I think Newfoundland Labrador, one thing they've got that is very unique, um, and I'm not sure where else you can actually see this easily, is they've got Iceberg Alley, um, which basically stretches along the coast of Labrador um, and the northeast of Newfoundland. So in May, June, and July, basically the icebergs drift down and, and, and essentially melt. But you've got these like 10,000 10, old mountains of, of, of ice coming down. Uh, and, and they're really a sight to behold. I mean, they sometimes make the newspapers here. Um, and then, yeah, there's loads of things you can do. Like you can go um, on a boat tour and get up close to them, or you can go kayaking. Uh, and then they've um, really embraced the icebergs. And there's a fantastic iceberg beer, um, as well as kind of vodka and rum and gin, which they obviously which they harvest the icebergs and use their water to make them. I think, yeah, and again, you know, Newfoundland Lab has got four UNESCO heritage sites. I mentioned Gross Moor, we mentioned Lansing Meadows, which is fascinating. I, I managed to get up there and I think, you know, no one knew that the Vikings were there in the 11th century till, till it was quite recent, actually. And it sort of changed the history of, of, of North America, really. So, and then also there's one of the newest UNESCO and sites is Mistaken Point, which is an area which is home to fossils of the oldest complex life forms found anywhere in the, on the earth. 
So there's a lot to go at um, there and, and hopefully some things that will get people excited about the region. I'm definitely excited. I want to go and see the, uh, watch the icebergs uh, floating, floating by. And I, you know, I did uh, see that I'm going to mispronounce this, Kelly. So in a moment you can uh, correct me, but keep uh, on lighthouse. So we're going to be talking about uh, accommodations momentarily with you, Kelly, to, of where people can stay when they're traveling around this, this beautiful region, whether it be by car, RV or train. Um, and that was one of the places I wanted to really stay because you can sit or lay in bed, watch the icebergs floating past the window. So um, I'm sure I mispronounced that. So I'll let you correct me, Kelly. <laughs> it's surprisingly, it's pronounced Carpoon Lighthouse. Yeah, that, that, that tricks me there. <laughs> so I'd love to stay at Carpoon, Carpoon Lighthouse and watch the icebergs float past the yeah. window. <laughs> That sounds amazing. And and again, Adam, I think, you know, as you mentioned, there is so much to do and different varying, varying levels of whether you want to be an adrenaline junkie or just want to go and have a nice walk or cycle or kayak. And I really do think you're right in that people need to get out no matter what and experience the Canadian canoes. And that, that would be an amazing experience. Yeah, no, for sure. I've actually been to Carpoon Lighthouse and it is stunning. Um, this guy, Ed English, who, who owns it, he's got another lighthouse down further down the coast. And it's, it's amazing. We, 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 we didn't have time to go there, but we went just to have a little look in a Zodiac. And, you know, there have to be two humpback whales just literally playing around in the bay outside. And it was probably one, it was, I mean, I've been lucky enough to do quite a bit of whale watching in Canada. And it was one of the best experiences. They were just hanging around, playing around and and it, it made my trip. So yeah, it's, 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 um, it's definitely worth getting to. You, you won't regret it. And Kelly, on that, you know, for those that are looking to travel around and see quite a lot of the region, uh, what can you recommend from accommodation point of view? And are there any other more quirky uh, places to stay? Sure. So in Atlantic Canada, you know, in the larger cities, uh, um, Halifax, uh, Sydney, Moncton, Fredericton, St. John, St. John's in Newfoundland, Labrador, and Charlottetown, we do have the branded hotels. So we do have the standard accommodations, which is great. And lots of people are looking for those branded hotels. So we do have them here. But really, um, a lot of people, when they visit, they do tend to stay in the seaside resorts or the quaint inns, or they might rent a cottage or take advantage of the many camping options available throughout the region. So we have lots of different options. Um, a great way to get the, to know the locals is to stay at a bed and breakfast or a seaside inn and a great way to really get to know, you know, the, um, the areas, especially by the sea. Um, I just wanted to focus in on maybe some of the new op newer options available in the region. Um, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, set to open in 2021, is will be the province's first five-star hotel, and it's called the Muir Hotel. And Muir is a Gaelic word for the sea. And um, so this hotel, set to open in 2021, it will have 110 um, uniquely designed guest rooms. It will be situated in the newly developed Queen's Marquis, which is along the beautiful historic Halifax waterfront. 
Um, and the high-end hotel um, will feature a refined dining room, a wellness center, a cold plunge and hydrotherapy pools, as well as a halo therapy salt room, which I have not experienced yet myself. So I'm looking forward to that, but it certainly does seem beautiful. And the Halifax waterfront is incredibly gorgeous and lots of um, activity shops, museums all along the waterfront as well. So it's very vibrant. Um, also in Nova Scotia, at one of our fantastic wineries in the Annapolis Valley region, um, the Domaine de Grand Pre Winery, they're opening a new um, six-room farmhouse inn in 2021. So that'll open in the spring. So six spacious guest rooms in the family's old farmhouse. And the ground level of the farmhouse will also feature a chef's dining table experience for eight to ten guests, so really exclusive dining experience featuring the local produce and the wine from the Demand de Grand Pre. Um, so you can actually watch the chef prepare your meal and it will be a five or seven course um, meal offering with wine pairings. So that sounds like a really beautiful experience. Again, coming in spring 2021. Also in Grand Pre at the National Historic Site, Parks Canada is um, placing some authentics on the site. So there will be eight available next year. And an authentic is, um, if anyone isn't familiar, it's kind of a cross between a tent and a rustic cabin. So it's kind of a step up for those who are not really wanting to um, do the kind of rough camping um, style. So the authentic is a great option. And uh, Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, actually has a new boutique hotel. It's an 80-room uh, hotel in downtown Charlottetown. It has a modern minimalist decor, very similar to if um, people from Europe are listening, um, the Citizen M brand, which sometimes I stay at in London. So it's um, very similar to that. And there's a cafe on site and common areas for people to gather. So that's in Charlottetown. And then in uh, Cape Breton Island, there will be new geodesic domes, which will be um, situated cliffside. So you'll get amazing um, cliffside water views. Um, the domes are actually open at the top, so you can do stargazing um, at the nighttime. And um, just a short walk to a nearby beach. Um, each geodesic dome has its own hot tub outside, so it's really nice and private. And I think this is going to be a wonderful way just to kind of get back to nature and um, do the social distancing after all of the lockdowns that we've had. Um, so this could be a really beautiful experience. So those are the new options available in the region. And then as far as unique options, um, Matthew and Adam, you had already mentioned the Carpoon Lighthouse Inn, which is just such a great experience. And a lot of people really love going there. Um, you kind of get the triple threat of the icebergs, whales and seabirds. And so it's really back to nature. Um, humpbacks galore. Newfoundland and Labrador is actually home to the world's um, largest population of humpback whales. So that's a fantastic experience. In the Fundy National Park in New Brunswick, um, there are these electric blue water droplet shaped cabins called the Goat Does. And this is at the Point Wolf uh, Campground, which is located in the Fundy National Park. 
And um, so this is ideal for nature lovers because it's situated right in the forest in the Fundy National Park. And it's a six square meter interior featuring a sofa bed on the main level and a cozy hammock loft above. And it's just has inspiring natural beauty in the area. Then in Prince Edward Island, overlooking the Prince Edward Island National Park along the Green Gable Shore, Um, There's a two-story home and it's the world's first rotating holiday home. So it has 360 degree views of the surrounding landscapes. So guests can wake up to an ocean view in the morning and then enjoy the sunset from their living room in the evening. And um, the, the rotation of the house is completely controlled by the guests on an iPhone app. And the full rotation of the house takes 45 minutes. So when you're in it, you can't even really feel, but eventually you're getting different views as you're sitting in your living room. It's pretty amazing. And uh, also in Prince Edward Island, um, you can indulge in the ultimate forest bathing experience, which is also kind of a buzzword now and and, uh, very relaxing experience for those um, who have just been through, you know, the lockdown. Um, So there's a place called Treetop Haven and situated nearby are many designated forest bathing trails. So the trip consists of visiting a forest for relaxation and recreation, and it's designed to de-stress, improve mood, and calm the nervous system. And uh, here at Treetop Haven as well, there's massage therapy and uh, yoga instruction available for guests. So that, that one definitely, I was looking at that earlier, looks it's lovely to be able to really get away and just relax um, and maybe a lovely way to end uh, maybe a, a nice journey around uh, around uh, the Atlantic Canada region. We, we've talked a lot about the accommodation, what you can do, activities. We haven't, and we've sort of touched on the food and drink uh, elements, especially with the iceberg gin and beer and wine, which sounds someone that you have to try if you're going there. And obviously, if you're uh, uh, legally allowed to. And so, Adam, what is the food and drink scene like uh, throughout the region? Well, I don't think there's any surprises that it's really all about the seafood. I mean, if you, if you like seafood, which hopefully you do, I mean, it is probably the best seafood you'll ever have in my experience. I'm quite lucky. I've been well-traveled, but I've had some of the best um, seafood there. So, you know, oysters, mussels, scallops, clams, crab, halibut and salmon as well. I mean, it's just so fresh. And, and they cook it really well. And you've got a real wide range of offerings from, you know, seaside cafes to sort of fine dining restaurants um, where they really mix it up. But I think for, for a lot of people, it's all about the lobster, which is the king of the sea. And Shediak is known as the lobster capital of the world, um, you know, for lobster fishing. Um, and um, it's definitely wor- worth a visit. Um, it's got the famous lobster festival. It's also got the world's largest lobster statue, which is quite fun um, to go and get your picture taken at. Um, and also, you know, they've got lots of new experiences now where you can go and catch your own lobster and cook it, um, by the sea and take a sort of hands-on approach, go out with a local fisherman. And that's really fab. Um, Nova Scotia are kind of zoning in on certain things like the Digby scallops there are world famous. So, um, if if you like your scallops there, they're fab. Also Nova Scotia, the blueberries are, are wonderful, the wild blueberries, um, and they make something called a wabubi grunt, which is an iconic dessert. And then, yeah, moving on to sort of drinks, the Annapolis Valley um, has got a wonderful apple orchard. So they do really good cider, um, which I'm particularly partial to. 
And then the wines as well. I think lots of people don't realize with, with Canada, there's great wines um, across the country, but particularly, you know, the Scotia and PEI have got some absolute fab wines. They don't export it because they don't make the big quantities, so we don't really see it over here. But you'll be you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, and yeah, so I think you know, there's also uh, you can go to um, there's foodie tours as well, and um, you know, tours where you, you can actually go and learn how to cook as well. So yeah, I mean, the food's a big part of it. I mean, again, you know, not I know not everyone likes seafood and lobster. So I mean, the rest of the food is is really good. The beef, the meat, it's all local. Um, and, um, you know, well, well, it's got good provenance, it's well sourced. And, and again, you know, if you're vegan or veggie, um, or any dietary requirements, actually, cause I'm, I'm kind of one of those difficult people when it comes to eating and, and they, they, they really look after me. So I would, you know, it works for everyone. You know, even if you're, you know, you're not into shellfish. That sounds sounds lovely. I am a big seafood lover, so I would uh, be enjoying my food out there. And and Kelly, do you have any favourites uh, uh, local dishes whenever you go out to eat? Well, I'm vegetarian as well, so I take enjoyment in watching people eat seafood. I, I think it's just really a lot of fun, and we have just some amazing chefs and restaurants in the in in the region. Some of the best restaurants in Canada are located in Atlantic Canada. So I would say, as Adam said, uh, you know, lobster is definitely, it, it's our most valuable seafood export. But if you really want to enjoy it nice and fresh, then you have to come to Atlantic Canada and get it caught fresh that day, served in the restaurant that night, I would say lobster. But um, there's a great tour out of uh, Shediac Bay, which Adam mentioned is the lobster capital of the world, where you go out with a real lobster fisherman, learn how to catch and cook your own lobster. Um, and then they serve you a full lobster dinner on board. Um, so that's an amazing experience. It's actually a Canadian signature experience. Um, and then for um, people who don't enjoy seafood, they actually offer a chicken dinner and a vegetarian lasagna as well. So we're very, very accommodating, even on a lobster fishing tour. Oh, sounds sounds like a great experience. And on on that, uh, we're we're talking about the wildlife. Obviously, going out on the lobster boat, which was which would sound like an amazing uh, opportunity to one to learn how to catch lobster, but also if if you are a seafood fan, actually how to cook it is a, is a massive thing. Um, and we earlier talked about, and Adam was mentioning, he was very fortunate to to hear about uh, going out kayaking, and all of a sudden you had uh, humpback whales swimming past and playing. And wildlife is a big thing, especially. With uh, for me, when traveling, I love to get out and and see the local wildlife. Um, we've mentioned some of the local wildlife, but what what other opportunities do visitors have uh, to to find uh, the local wildlife? And also, what time of year? Because I know some of them may be year round, some may only be um, during certain times of the year you can actually see, see them. Um, so we've mentioned the whales several times, um, but I'll just um, give you the time of year when it's best to see the whales throughout the region. Um, so from June to September along the coast of Newfoundland and Labrador is the best time to see the whales. In the Bay of Fundy, um, also between uh, June and September, and along the coast of Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia from May until October, actually. Um, and then as far as other um, wildlife throughout the region, of course, we have millions of seabirds, um, moose, black and brown bears, 
we have polar bears in Newfoundland Labrador only. Um, so that's where you can see them, um, deer, car caribou, and more. And so there's chances to spot them in their natural habitat. And so um, the region is fantastic for nature lovers or photographers. I had already mentioned that Newfoundland Labrador has the world's largest population of humpback whales. You can see them by boat, kayak, and from land. And, um, you know, Newfoundland Labrador has the triple threat of the icebergs, whales, and seabirds. I wanted to mention um, one place, and this is actually a Canadian signature experience as well, but uh, the Fairyland Picnics in Newfoundland Labrador. Um, this is a really um, unique place where you can actually get get a really beautiful gourmet picnic lunch and go and sit on the cliffside and watch the seabirds and you can see the whales frolicking in the ocean in front of you while you sit on the cliffside and eat your beautiful picnic lunch and so that's a Canadian signature experience which I would highly recommend there's nothing more spectacular so you don't even have to get out on a boat to see the whales here in the region you can see them from land that's amazing you can don't have to get out on the boat so for those who may uh, not be sea seafaring folk uh, you can you can watch them with your feet solid uh, on solid land so that's that's great as well and we've been talking a lot about uh, going out and exploring the ground outdoors from wildlife to exploring uh, the national parks adam when someone might be staying in one of the local towns or cities uh, are there any like unique urban experiences or what can people get up to in in the towns and cities the cities are well worth a visit and i think it it's worth stopping for a night or two on the way in or the way out, um, for sure. I mean, Halifax um, is the largest city in Atlantic Canada. It's got a population of just under 4,000. And I think the great thing about the cities in the region is that, they're, you know, by European standards, they're, they're very small, really. So they're very walkable. And, um, you know, Halifax has got this fantastic um, harbourfront boardwalk, which um, you know, which runs past 10 city blocks and has loads of great shots, restaurants and pubs. And, and then also there's always festival events going on down there. So, you know, I always think the best way to see a city is, is just to, to get, get yourself a map or get your phone out and just go off exploring. And Canada, you can do that pretty well. Um, some other things to note in Halifax, Pier 21 is, is a very popular, it's um, the Canada's Museum of Immigration. So there's some really interesting stories there of, of more than a million immigrants that came in, um, refugees, war brides, evacuee children um, who arrived in Canada through Halifax at Pier 21. Um, the Citadel over, overlooks um, Halifax, and if you're there, you've got to go and have a look. Um, it's home to the Kilties 78th Highland Regiment, um, and there's opportunities. It's kind of a living museum. You can be a soldier for a day. Um, they, they fire the cannons and stuff. So it, it's really worth a, worth, worth a, a look. And it's also got fab views because at the top of the hills, so you get really good views out over Halifax. And then for those Titanic fans, it was always such a big, big film so long ago, but um, the, the, the Maritime Museum there has got a Titanic section because obviously Titanic was was shipwrecked not it wasn't that far away from Halifax and that you know Halifax was one of the closest points so um if if, if you like that film it's definitely worth a worth a look St John's um is a really fun town I think um I've not actually been um but I think for me and what I hear with St John's 
Um, it's all about the pubs and going out. Um, and the thing with Newfoundland Labrador is, is everyone seems to be able to play an instrument, um, uh, be a fiddle or a pipe or something. So there's always music in the pubs. There's a big Celtic heritage. And, and, and that is the kind of best way to experience it. I was lucky enough to, to be, um, was actually up on the Viking Trail and we were in where it was and we went out and we met a couple of guys in the bar. And then we got invited back to what they call a kitchen party, which is essentially going back to someone's kitchen. Um, but then it's so much fun, you know, they, they, they give you drinks and food and then start playing um, music. And it was, it was one of the best sites I've had in Canada. It was fab. So, you know, that's something to, to, to look out for. I think Fredericton in, is the capital of New Brunswick. Um, it's got a um, historic and cultural center, um, you know, offering an array of, sort of Victorian architecture museums, art galleries. Um, and, and lots of festivals as well. They have the Harvest Jazz and Blues there, um, which is, is a big thing. And then Charlottetown, which is PEI, um, it's actually known as the birthplace of Canada. So in 1864, um, the city hosted the first meeting to discuss the creation of Canada, um, which was finalized in 1867 because Canada you know, quite recently had its 150th birthday when all the provinces and territories came together as one. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, and also PEI's got... Um, Charlottetown's also the home of Anne of Green Gables. I mean, there's a lot of tourism around Anne of Green Gables. A lot of people read the books. Um, so it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely worth a visit. So yeah, I think, you know, don't, don't cut your time short in the cities to feel like you've got to get out. Um, they're well worth a visit and well worth, you know, at least a couple of nights on the way in and the way out. Oh, thank you very much. And some do sound great. And Halifax is definitely a place that I want to want to visit as well. And I didn't realise about Charlottetown being uh, the home of or the starting point of of modern Canada. So again, another amazing historical fact for the, for the region. And on that, just wanted to before we sort of uh, wrap up is Kelly, where is best for people to find out information on um, on the region from a website point of view? So the, maybe the first stop would be to visit our regional website, Atlantic Canada Holiday. .co.uk. And from there, so that provides some really basic information, um, some beautiful videos from throughout the region, and the basic information, suggested itineraries. Um, but from there, you can visit the individual provincial tourism websites, which have a lot more detailed information. So I would start with the Atlantic Canada website. And from there, you can go to the other four tourism websites for more information. And then, of course, the uh, Destination Canada website is a wealth of information as well. Yeah, you can get that one at keepexploring.co.uk. Perfect. And uh, just to, to sort of wrap up, uh, I know earlier, Kelly, you mentioned that, you know, you'd say you were two weeks and Adam, you've also highlighted it and saying like two weeks is a great time to be there. Um, what would be your recommendations? I'll go with you, Kelly. If people are a bit pushed for time, how long would you say um, is best to sort of get out? And Adam, how long and any recommendations for if people got the full two weeks? So if we start with you first, Kelly. So again, I I would recommend an ideal vacation time would be 10 to 14 days if you're visiting two or three provinces. If you're going to visit all four, you need two to three weeks. But I would like to say that, you know, because of the short flight time, it is possible to come into the region 
for a long weekend. So if you wanted to do four or five days and kind of stay to the cities, either St. John's or Halifax, Nova Scotia. So you could do that. We'd recommend staying longer, but you could do that just for a taste of the region. And um, and yeah, popular travel combinations would be New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, Newfoundland, Labrador on its own, or another popular one would be fly into Nova Scotia, then fly or take a ferry to Newfoundland and do a two-province vacation that way. And, and adding yourself, if you're doing that, and then also if people were potentially, I know when you are mentioning about getting around uh, or getting into the region, some people may, if they get a cruise, go down to Montreal. So what would be if someone's looking potentially if they're doing a cruise to stay or if they're looking to maybe do Quebec and then fly into Montreal or Quebec and then come up to the Atlantic coast, how long would you reckon? Well, I think actually if you're doing a cruise, what works really well is the ocean train. So get your, get, your, get your cruise into Montreal and then get on the ocean train and that'll bring you into New Brunswick and then on to Halifax. So that would be an option. I think those cruises are generally about a week. And then, you know, it would be nice if you had two weeks. I think that would be fine. You could do a week. You could do um, three nights in New Brunswick, four nights in Nova Scotia. Um, but you know, I think, um, you know, however long you've got, we can make it work. I think often with Canada, people think you need a long time. And I would push home what Kelly said is that you could do easily do a weekend break in St. John's and you'd have a fab time, totally different experience. You know, imagine going in June, you could see the icebergs, you could see whales, um, you could have a great time in the bars of, of, of St. John's, you know, people do New York, do Vegas for a weekend. You know, what about St. John's? It's less than five hours. And I think it's really, it's really worth a look. Um, so um, if you're short on time to whet your appetite, yeah, get over for a weekend. A brilliant uh, choice from both of, both of your recommendations of getting over just for a weekend. Because like you mentioned, people do do Vegas. They do LA for maybe a long weekend or even New York. Well, a lot of people do New York. So why not go and experience this amazing destination as a little stopover and see some icebergs floating by, some whales, try your iceberg uh, vodka or beer and some amazing seafood or vegetarian or vegan options. So it's an amazing opportunity. And it's only a, uh, about a five and a half hour, four, four hour on the way back flight. So uh, again, it's got something for everyone. For those who are looking for a little city break to those who are looking to explore the great outdoors. And I just wanted to say a massive thank you to both of you, Adam and Kelly, for joining me on this episode. So thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do share it with friends and family and give us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice and also subscribe for free. Thanks for listening.